Well, hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Alika Hope and Change, where I, your host, Alika Hope, am joined by Change. That's your cue. Your brother, (laughs) also known as Emil. Not only the brother, not well, I'm one of two. Not only the brother, Mm -hmm. but also, as of last show, the best advice giver this show has ever seen. Oh, yeah, that's true. You are the best advice giver that this show has ever seen. That's hands down, absolutely the truth. That's right. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to write. In fact, I expect mm-hmm. that it will become a, it, it will, it will become a nationwide, um, it, it's going to go viral. Seriously. Your advice? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to okay. go viral. It, it, and why are you saying that? <clears throat> Because A, it was brilliant, and B, it was on the show, and we're already, we're trending. And so it's just a matter of time before everybody's like, oh, oh my gosh, a leak of yes. hope and change bring the tonnage when it comes to advice. Wait. It could just be advice by change. Boom. It could be like something that we just, um, you know, we, we have like all over the world, like on mugs and t-shirts and, and, and coffee Are cups you, and syndication. Am I hearing spinoff? Oh my gosh. Spinoff. Yes. So it'll be Alika Hope and Change Advice Change. It'll be the longest podcast title ever. Y'all, I, I am know so, where this conversation's going. Uh-huh. I'm, yeah. I'm so, I'm so digging this. This is, this is right up my alley. See, I have always wanted to be moderately successful as a celebrity. <laughs> Right, <laughs> moderately successful. Uh-huh. Exactly. I want all the f- I want all the wealth and all of yeah. the clout, but none of the actual bother of celebrity. Oh, okay. Which I could get on a podcast, right? Because you want to go where everybody knows your name, but not your face and how to track you down and stalk you. Is that what you're saying? There. There we go. So, like, you take someone like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan who can't go to Disney World for obvious reasons, right? If right, he goes right. to Disney World, he gets mobbed, right? Mm-hmm. He just wants to go to ride the ride, see the things, and do all the, you know, have the fun. But mm-hmm. when you're a podcast superstar, mm-hmm. you are a voice, perhaps mm-hmm. a picture, but rarely a person. So I could, I could literally, after I go yeah. viral, I could walk the streets and people would be like, is that change? We're not, we're not sure. So then they would say, give us some advice. And I'd be like, I don't know you. And if you want advice, send your request to illegalhope at gmail.com. You just had me think another song. Um, podcast superstar. Actually, it was Maya saying that, right? So that'd be really high like this. Podcast superstar. That is what you are. Yes. A podcast. That's how we roll. My sister is so talented. My this is goodness. That's how we roll. No, but for real, Emil, I mean, I was gonna, right before we started recording, I was going on one of my favorite apps. I was gonna order a piece of cake, but they were out of the cake that I wanted. And so I guess I'm just sharing that with y'all because sometimes I listen to podcasts and people kind of share random thoughts about their day. And for some reason, listeners like that. So I wanted to share with you guys that 
before the podcast started, I was going to order this piece of vanilla confetti cake with this beautiful buttercream frosting and these confetti sprinkles over it from this bakery. Just this one piece of cake. I was going to have it brought to my porch because, y'all, I have been up for 16 hours so far today and I wanted my piece of cake. And they are all out of that cake. And I just don't know what to do. I think I'm going to have to find like a cake sponsor for this podcast or something. I mean, if you it's are just not okay, if you are a, um, pastry a bakery, chef, bakery <laughs> and you are looking for national and international exposure, we have the demographics that will encourage you mm-hmm. to think twice, maybe three times about sponsoring at least a segment of the show. So Alika Hope can have her cake. That's right. And what I just just for y'all to know, I like real buttercream frosting. I don't like that whipped cream frosting. I don't like the frosting that's too fluffy and all that stuff. No, I like the real old school buttercream. And I want to stick to the roof of your mouth. Yes. You want it to and stick to the roof of your mouth. cake. That's what I'm talking yes. about. Like yes. a, good, a good rich cake with butter and eggs. Like just. Yes. See, if I'm going to eat the bad thing. There are no I bad things. Eat the bad thing. Oh, let's rephrase. I, I want the full flavor and go. I want the full consequences of the there flavor. I like that. The full consequences of the flavor, which is why yesterday I raked leaves for four hours. Boom. And that's and I and I tell everybody, I learned this from change, my big brother, the one that gives good advice. If you want to eat what you want to eat, then you got to work to earn it. So I'm out there raking leaves for hours because I'm like, I want my cake. And now they don't have cake. Those calories are burnt. You have burnt. you have put a you have put a deposit in the calorie bank. Go make your withdrawal. Ooh, except that they're out of cake. But that's a whole other story. But you know, no. <laughs> Stella would be confetti instead of Stella. Y'all didn't. In case y'all didn't get that reference when you were listening, you just want to let you know that was my bad version of Marlon Brando. But, um. Actually, interestingly enough, pastry chef is one job that I've never had. And I've had a lot of jobs. When I say a lot of jobs, I mean a lot of jobs. Not because I don't know what I'm doing, only because I like too many things. So I've had a lot of odd jobs over the years. And some of them might surprise people. Today, we're going to talk about that horrible job and how it changed us. I think we may also get to maybe a favorite job or two of ours. But, um, you know... People often say, you did that? Like I was a housekeeper, professional housekeeper. People are like, you, wait, what? You have a master's from Columbia. You did what? And I'm like, and? Hard work is hard work. No, no. Let's be you real. Know? You're, you're a performer and therefore <laughs> you're a professional <laughs> performer, which means you're a professional many things. <gasps> oh, 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 see, you know what, though? Um, Okay, Air Force. Look, see, because those people that stick with one job awesome. for 20 years, you Hello. know. Um, it, it wasn't one job. It was just one employer. Career. <laughs> one employer. One, it was I one like employer, that. but it was not one job. And <laughs> no, I respect to the performers mm. because between gigs, you guys got to eat. So you guys, you know, all of you professionals out there trying to make yeah. ends meet, more power to your respect. You're bussing, waiting tables, you're painting uh, houses, you're you know, cleaning up whatever you need to do to make ends meet so that you can be ready for that next audition, ready for that next performance. Hey, that's what's up, man. But sometimes, and I, I'm not a performer, so I don't know, but I have had my share of jobs that didn't feel like I should be doing them. Yeah. Or 
you know, a job where you didn't feel like the person supervising you should be there. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So is and, it and, So we're in the middle of the great resignation and my theory is yes, that people are yes. more fed up with bad bosses than they are yes. with low pay. Like I it's, agree. it's an either or proposition. Like you can give me low pay, but I better have a great boss and a great mm-hmm. environment. Or you better give me some serious money if I'm going to have to put up with this knucklehead. Yeah. Or, you know, I think, too, is it the great resignation, which I haven't done a lot of research on because I think my whole life has just been a great resignation. But anyway, (laughs) uh, (laughs) no, but um, but I love it. I have to say, though, just really like as a side note, like. I love all the odd jobs I've had and I have enough education where I could have chosen like a more regular nine to five, whatever, but I don't think I'm wired that way. I think, you know, I've, I have had some regular steady jobs, but even those jobs had to have so many different things going on because just the thought of sitting in an office, like God bless all of you sitting in offices eight, 10 hours a day. That's not, I'm just not wired that way. And I have friends who say to me, they think I'm crazy. They're like, I could never do everything that you do. And I'm like, well, I could never just sit still for 10 hours. So I think when we talk about like what defines a job as being horrible, maybe just like beauty, maybe jobs are in the eye of the job older. See how I did that right there? I like that. That was good. That was the job older. That was was good. No, that was seriously good. No, no, that was good. I don't know. I don't know why we're whispering, but okay. Okay, be some butthead. I don't know, but we're we're gonna bring. We're also gonna bring. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have any cake because I'm a little wired as it is. I'm gonna need any sugar. But um, anyway, we're gonna come back after this break. We're gonna talk about that horrible job and how it changed us. We'll be right back. by Lawrence V. White. All right, Emil, can you tell us about the most horriblest job you ever had? Or, yeah, you can go from there, take it however you want. A good portion of my book, Start With a Sparkle, Mm -hmm. has... The worst position I ever had. It was when I was in the United States Air Force. I worked for a boss that I have never named or even given the gender of. Um, And that boss was so hard on me that there were days I felt like I wanted to leave the thing that I had loved doing the most. It was just an uphill nighttime uphill battle like you know i always said it was like having that person as my boss was like climbing mount everest at night in the mud in the mm-hmm. rain blindfolded i'm not Everest in the mud in the rain blindfolded that's pretty bad <laughs> right it just didn't get better uh and that boss's supervisor removed me from the situation because they saw I was in an unwinnable, um, I was in an unwinnable scenario. It was my Kobayashi Maru for those who are um, Star Trek nerds. Mm -hmm. And my Kobayashi Maru, the unwinnable scenario was that no matter how good or bad I did, I was always just bad. Wow. So do you think that that person who shall remain unnamed, did they have it out for you or were they trying to like prove something about themselves to the world? So they were just, you know, over the top. 
It was a combination of both because all of us senior leaders in that particular um, unit, Mm -hmm. we felt the sting of that boss's presence. So it wasn't personal, but I will I will give an anecdote that will probably yeah. illuminate just how weird it was um, <clears throat> for the purposes of this story. Um, there was a uh, colleague of mine who was as opposite in physical appearance as the two of us could be. Okay. Um, f- again, for the story illustration, we'll call him uh, Captain Brown. <laughs> And you're Captain Bryant. And I'm Captain Bryant. Okay. But he was complete opposite. I'm six foot four, darker skin, Mm -hmm. right? And African-American. He's five foot seven, Caucasian. I have a mustache. He does not. I mean, like, there's no way you could confuse us. So in the (laughs) middle of a public berating. Oh, my. Of course, I was on the receiving end of said public berating. Beratement. Mm -hmm. Beratement. I get called Captain Brown. <gasps> now, it wouldn't be the obvious gorilla in the room because, again, all of us senior leaders in the organization were feeling the sting of this, this supervisor's uh, wrath. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, especially during a public beratement, Yes. That was one of those moments where you had to wince and be like, did you just, did Freud, did Freud just slip in here? Did Freud just slip into the room right now? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure there's no way you can confuse this six foot four brother with that five foot seven Caucasian. And he was as cool as the other side of the pillow. Real, real cool dude. Had nothing but respect for him. But even he was looking at me like, yo, uh, yo, uh. Broham. I was like, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it is what it is. We're just going to get through this day. And we'll, that's like we did. So hold day. on. Let me just ask you this. She didn't call you the wrong or they, sorry, the person didn't call you the wrong name. They were, they were berating this, this person and oh, thought no. that it was you. That's what you're saying. Like you they got were it de- opposite. This, no. this okay. supervisor, right. Yeah. Again, I, I don't want to call any names cause uh, just say they, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's it. they, Mm-hmm. Was I was the subject of the beratement. Okay. But the name, but so it was what I first thought, but the name was wrong. But, but the, the name was Brown. Yeah, the b- okay. beratement, the name attached to it was the mm-hmm. wrong name, but the aim came straight at me. Interesting. So and how that did was, you that was the moment when that, that was the moment when it, it went, because I'm answering your question. Was it personal? Was this person, the wrath yeah. was universal, but in that moment, yeah. It became something a little different and I couldn't put my finger on it uh until later. And you know, that's another that's another story. But okay. Those those all the months I worked for that boss, all yeah. those months were I was on pins and needles every day. Oh my gosh. And how long every did you day. work for that person? Uh twice, once for 3 months and then another time um for about two, two and a, about two two months, That's a total long of time. about five months. Yeah. yeah, it was a long time when when every day feels like three or four weeks. 
Yeah. And the other thing is like when you're in the Air Force, it's not like you could just, you know, scream back, knock it off. Right. No, you have to, you have to find a way. And this is, it it was a testament to my professionalism that this boss one day, one-on-one conversation said something that I'll never forget that made me feel good in the worst way one should feel good. And this boss said to me, you can take a beating like no one I've ever seen before in my career. But is that, (laughs) well, actually you just pre, you, you, your preamble to that statement was exactly what I'm thinking. Like I, you know, that's not a strength. I mean, that's not, that is a strength, but it's it's not a compliment. uh, It's like, Oh, like, I mean, but I was getting them, but I kept my bearing. I kept my professionalism. I kept my, you know, I was never going to let that person uh, strip me of my dignity. One of the things I learned early in my career was do not let another person's bad behavior change your character. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Yep. But it's so easy to degenerate into something where your character because you want to defend or you want to lash out or you want to fight back. And all that does is it just makes your, it just, it just nicks your character. And I was like, That's right. the one thing that I can always retain, no matter how rough things get mm-hmm. is my character. That's right. And, and your reputation too, like the, the part of your, your reputation that you can control, right? So that's correct. So people can spread lies, et cetera, whatever. But like, if you maintain your character, the truth will always come out sooner or later. Um, and, uh, and wow, it did. That's deep. And it was, it was, it was rough to find out that there was a lot of truth to what we had, what we had thought. Um, mm-hmm. and what, but it also meant, and this is a thing that, you know, I, I wrote about this in my book as a way to sort of, it, that book was a lot of therapy for me in many ways because it get, mm. helped me sort of come to grips with things that were good and bad in my mm-hmm. career. Um, and mostly what it was is helped me connect with what I learned and build something beautiful out of all, all of those experiences. But one of the things that I wrote about that was so lovely was I got a chance to find out what people saw from when when they were on the outside looking in at my situation from people all over the base and i found out that they saw me vastly differently my reputation was concrete in in comparison to what i thought it was. i thought i was just you know i had just been run roughshod upon but Mm -hmm. i find out from all these people across the base who had been seeing and hearing that my reputation the way i handled it was exceptional. And in the moment I was just like, yo, I'm just trying to get to, I'm just trying to get to Tuesday, but come much later finding out that that, that was a big deal to me because it meant that um, my character had not changed despite the fact that I was treated that way. Wow. Uh, That's really powerful that being consistent and following your, you know, what your voice inside of you and who you are as a person, your character, all those things, even in the midst of everything else going on, people will see the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, well, uh, when we come back from this break, we'll talk to Jamie about his most horriblest job and we'll be right back. So Jamie, be ready after the break. Thank you. 
by Lawrence V. White. Well, that was fun. We're back from the break, and I actually got to say to Jamie, be ready now. If y'all didn't miss that, if you didn't hear me say that before the break, I got to be the boss of Jamie because Jamie's often the boss of us. He counts us down back there. Y'all don't hear him. He tells us when to start. He says, are you ready? And all that. So I got to tell him to come back after Which the break. Which means I'm yeah. always <laughs> we know jamie you're more ready than we are jamie's always ready y'all you know always he's pretty ready. amazing so we want to know though what what is that like the most horriblest job in the world just like that uh jamie what is it well you know actually i i'm going to not talk about my most horrible maybe it's job era that sounds can, good. Can I do that? Can I do a job yeah, era? Can I do an yeah, era? You can do whatever A procession of jobs, which for most people will probably be those jobs you had while you were either in college or waiting to go to college. So roughly roughly around that, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, those years where you're like mm-hmm. scraping by and eating ramen and bologna sandwiches and, you know, and you're like, you know, you have $10 in your wallet because there's no online banking yet. So <laughs> so you're kind of struggling through these menial <laughs> menial jobs and I had a ton of them before I turned 22. I had like whatever I could get. You know when mm-hmm. you, when you're a beggar you can't be a chooser when it comes to like okay, I'm this age, I'm a you know an undergrad or I'm on a Gap years, or <laughs> he said, "Did y'all hear that?" Gap, gap years. years. There was a plural in there. Yes. There was a plural, mm-hmm. and you settle for whatever you can get. Well, <laughs> there's truth to that. You're really settling for whatever you can get. And let's see. Out of all of that era, was really just um, bad managers, people who had a lot of impatience for people who didn't understand their business, mm-hmm. or it was this poorly organized. Or it was just very tedious. Um, I had a series of jobs. Let's see. One job was I'm working at a car wash. <laughs> Sing it. Car wash. Sing it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> With the red jumpsuit, which I ended up using for gigs. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Did I you ever wear that around the house for Rachel? Just kidding. No, Don't tell us. Oh, Keep please. Going. This is this is 1990, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So. <laughs> oh, back in the 20th century. Back in the 20th century. Um, yes. Um, I want to say it was 93, actually. 93-ish. Okay. Um, let's see. That job was tough. I didn't have bad bosses, but it was just, you know, cleaning other people's cars was not fun. On the inside and out was not fun. Oh, the inside. Just yeah, use your imagination. Just use your imagination. Yeah. Uh, um, let's okay. see. What else did I do? I worked in a cheese department, which was fun. I have to say. Really? Yeah. I learned about like 300 different types of cheeses. I got to try Limburger cheese. It was awesome. You got you got to cut, wow. the, you got to, cut to the cheese yeah. and I get in trouble. <laughs> you had to go there, didn't you? I was going to go there, but then I was like, I'll let Emil go there. And he did. He went there. You know, ah. you know I'm always going to be, just um, imagine, when can he be 12 years old? Mm-hmm. That was the time. Now. So you cut. So wait, get, so were you like behind the counter, cutting, yeah, like slicing? I the cheeses was, and and, and sampling the cheeses for people who came through was like a really cool health food store, and wow. I actually learned a lot. I'm actually thankful for that job, and then I went from that job to working for a um, sports store conglomerate, which is no longer in business, and mm-hmm. helped build the store, learn how to drive a forklift, and then was ceremoniously <gasps> laid off the day after Christmas. That was fun. Wow. Um, but as far as like humiliating experiences, 
I would mm-hmm. have to say the most humiliating Mm-mm. had to be working third shift at a gas station. Ooh, I do not envy you. Third shift. Know. So it was like midnight to eight. Yeah, it was like it was like eleven to seven. <gasps> yep. Oh my gosh. Monday through Friday. And everything you could imagine that you would see late at night at a you know drive up gas station that I saw, <laughs> everything, everything. Wow. Yes, everything. And then the owners of this place again. This place is no longer open. Okay. The owners of this place were very. I kind of had an experience like Emil just talked about with mm. the father of the guys who ran it, who accused me of. Stealing from their cash register because of the color of my skin. Nice. Yeah. Said it out loud. Yes. Mm. It was one of those. And they fired me that day. And I was thankful that they fired me. But working under them was just every mistake was magnified. And everything. And then you had customers who would come in. You know, you got your lotto scratch tickets people that would come in like eight times a night if they'd win they'd come back and get more and just just, yeah it was just it was just weird and you know i'm gonna hit tonight i'm gonna hit tonight come on man come on exactly and then sometimes they do sometimes they do do and when they hit they come back and buy more so it was just sad it was actually kind of sad to see that and then um let's see what else did i see you know everything from like people just Getting gas and driving off to just, uh, it was just everything, every type of person, everything you can imagine. It was just, it was really tough to kind of be that customer service person late at night or first thing in the morning when you like are about to go home at 630, 7 o'clock. So I would not repeat that experience again. And then that that era. Go ahead. Can I ask you a question about that when you got off? Like Mm -hmm. right when you were getting tired is when people were waking up and like. Yeah. Having a life. Yeah, this just seems hard. <laughs> and I'm going home and going to sleep. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I had two jobs like that. Two different mm. gas stations that were 24 hours. And luckily, I got out of that cycle and started my, um, you know, kind of my music career, so to speak, <laughs> um, working in a music store. Mm. And so this weird, like, age, like... 19 through 22 is when this kind of, you know, floated to the car wash and to the gas station and just kind of whatever you could get. So I have to say, I would not want to repeat that era ever again. Well, I was going to say, like, how did those jobs change you? So um, they made yeah. me appreciate when people treated you well. Mm-hmm. It made me appreciate when you were a valued team member. When you did get to somewhere where people were like, oh, well, no, let's, let's listen to this guy or let's give him a chance or let's promote him or her. You know, it, it really made me understand good managers and bad managers. Mm-hmm. It un- made me understand good work ethic, um, you know, and attention to detail. Because when you have a bad manager <laughs> or you have someone who's not quite up to snuff, then your skills rise. And you're like, oh, well, they didn't notice that, but I did. Oh, let let me, you know, let me do my inventory a little bit different, or let me learn from this. So you bring those skills with you to the next job. Um, I quickly, when I was at the music store job, I quickly moved from just being a salesman to being an assistant manager. Um, 
Next time it'll be on fries. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pumped. <laughs> That was funny. Um, <laughs> but seriously, it's like you take all these skills and you amass these skills, even if you have a bad experience. Yep. And you 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 lend them to the next thing that you're gonna do and it makes you a better employee. So I'm thankful for that, for those bad experiences, because it made me into a much better, more loyal, more thinking, harder working employee. So that's you know, what you just said actually I think can apply to relationships too, which we're, yes. we're running low on time, but I don't have time to get into that in this episode. But just like the thing that you just said, like all of our past kind of difficult, challenging relationships mm-hmm. have helped, I think it, you know, all three of us, but also just people in general to have better relationships, you know, um, as they grow. And mm-hmm. that is if those horrible situations or jobs that you had, um, if you allow the change to, you know, if you embrace what it did and to help you change and grow. Yes. Exactly. And not to stay stagnant from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's funny because um, I was wondering, Emil. Um, yes. Yeah. So if I applied for a job at a railroad, um, will they expect me to know the job or uh, will they train me? Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Please help me. You know, you know, Alika? somebody on this Thursday, please help me. Yes, James. send am- send your help to alikahope at gmail.com and put in the title rescue email. Don't make rescue me change. add sound effects. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, yes. All right, oh, you're y'all. saying well, yes, yes. Rest that ends me. another episode of A League of Hope and Change. And who knows, maybe when you guys hear this, there'll be sound effects. But until next week, y'all, take care. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>